Okay, in this episode, as a starter, I have what wouldn't necessarily be considered a, a downer, in fact. Hooray! Just, just a little bit of PR. For us? Not for us, for someone oh, else. Oh, no. Okay. I, I am very clearly identifying it as PR. If we must. So, Chelsea, if you were going through some hard times and you stole somebody's cake, what, what would you do to make amends? I don't know that I would. Okay. Well, do I want to make amends, firstly? I feel like if I stole a cake, I'd want to steal that cake. I'd probably not want to make amends, but do I want to? I don't know. This is on you, not me. Say, if I wanted to probably get a new cake be multiple let's say that you have an annual budget of several hundred billion dollars mm. and you come across some teenager with a cake mm. having a good time okay. and you steal their cake okay what would you do i feel like i wouldn't want to make amends at that point i just take it and move on with my day because i have several billions of dollars you got a lot of things to do i get that yeah it'd be at the back of my mind I, it wouldn't matter to me and you know what if we're talking about 70 of the last 80 years you and the u.s army are on the same page but oh no <laughs> today as of april 29th 2022 the u.s army has replaced the birthday cake of one mary mignon whose birthday cake they stole 77 years ago in italy oh good yeah this is a so, feel-good story. This is a feel-good PR story from the U.S. Army. So, it was the eve of Mary Mion's 13th birthday when the U.S. troops arrived in her village in San Pietro, near Vicenza, in northern Italy, to fight against the German soldiers. During the battle, her family spent the night in the attic, emerging the next day after German soldiers, who had fired shots near her home, retreated. Mion's mother then set about baking a birthday cake, leaving it to cool by an open window, only for it to be stolen by presumably hungry American soldiers. It just kind of flew up towards the fumes like you do. It yeah. just lifts you off the ground. Yeah, it, it's it works. irresistible. Yeah, it both works on cartoon characters and active war participants. Exactly. That's just general knowledge. Yeah. So an emotional Mion who turns 90 on April 29th was presented with a replacement cake by soldiers from the U.S. Army garrison in Italy during a ceremony at Giardini Salvi in Vicenza on Thursday. She said she had not been expecting the cake, although clearly remembered the moment the one baked for her 13th birthday disappeared. Did somebody make a complaint along the way? Like, how did they know to do this? I feel like this is something that has been in the works for a long time. And they're just at a low point in the Italian like persona that they said, fuck it. We got to replace this 13 year old birthday cake. <laughs> it is the literally the cheapest PR we can get right now. It really is. I did hear this on the radio the other day. Yeah. 20 bucks. There you go. It's a DQ treats a pizza. <laughs> if she's lucky. That is the like Cadillac of all cakes. I was surprised, she told the local newspaper El Giornale de Vicenza. But then I realized the American soldiers had taken it and it made me happy. It was a good end given everything that they had done. The large cream cake with strawberries garnished with baskets of mini Easter eggs was presented by Sergeant Peter Wallace and Colonel Matthew Gomlick, the garrison's commander, during a ceremony attended by Italian and American soldiers, local officials, and residents. Gomlick recalled the fighting between the U.S. military and German forces in the Vicenza area in 1945, during which 19 American soldiers were killed, presumably not one of the ones who stole the cake. 
and how local residents offered the troops bread and wine. But notice how they said bread and wine and not cake. They just assumed. Anyhow, I think that's all we actually need to read. It was definitely a fluff story that the US Army is putting out to get on the good side of the PR, as most militaries, except the Ukrainian militaries, on the bad side of PR. In which case, again, all militaries should be on the bad side of PR, because best case scenario, they are defending you from particulars. But for the most part, they're not necessary use of force. Like I brought up before, I think my first question was, how did they know they needed to replace this cake? I feel like a formal request has been lodged for a long time, or they may can't say I would do the same. If I had baked a cake and I put it out on the windowsill and it went missing, I can't say Mm. I wouldn't make a formal complaint over and over again. That's why they have the Third Amendment in the U.S. It's the no soldier shall in times of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in times of war, but in any manner to be prescribed by law to avoid people coming into your house and eating all your foods. Oh, yeah. I had no idea that was very specific amendment in the U.S. Constitution, which really makes you question what they were doing at the time, that they need this amendment that the military can't stay in your house. How many cakes were stolen? Mm -hmm. Fledges. But anyhow, it appears they're making amends with their cakes, one Italian household at a time. And yeah, short, sweet, happy, fluffy piece. That is fringy. That was a good one. That was a change of pace. Good. Anything to add to that? No, I'm just glad that I don't have to think about replacing anyone's cake. Yeah, that's fair. I just wonder where they're getting it in their budget. No kidding. But anyhow, let's get on with our episode. Let's do it. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the show that makes normalcy in comparison look like the alabaster middle stepchild of disappointment. Now, does that make sense? No idea, but man, does it sound pretty. And that's more important, what with the pros. We are the fanciful word-slinging hosts, Taylor and Chelsea, and today, said words will be slung like you were Goliath. That is to say, Hmm? once, precisely and profoundly. That was beautiful. And I have no idea what this episode's on, but boy, can I guarantee Chelsea will follow suit with what I just said. And I just think I'm going to let you take over from there. What do you think, given the title that I gave you for our Twitch stream? I mean, I said those words, so I got to believe. Star related. No, it's me. So it's not going to be something like you would do. Pink Floyd related. No, that would have been a good one, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just start the episode. Well, that's good then. I'm just going to keep guessing. That's it. That's that all was I have the done. episode. I just came up <laughs> yeah, with an idea. Was, and Finn. <laughs> okay. This time I thought I would focus on a non-UFO episode. I feel fulfilled in the UFO department right now, but only for a short time. So let's not get carried away. This episode, I wanted to focus on a guy that has caught my attention the last little while, and he seems to be maybe somehow connected to mysterious disappearances that I find and a lot of people find so fascinating that David Pilatus speaks a lot about. And we've mentioned David Pilatus a few times, never really going into much detail, but I'm not going to start now. So what I'm doing today is the Glimmer Man. And that's my favorite.
favorite name that they go by and I actually need to correct myself right now because I've done a lot of gendering so far and so I'm just gonna switch to Glimmer Person or Glimmer They. Glimmer They is a nice catchy one. We're a gender neutral podcast for the most part. Can you not just go by the Glimmerson? Glimmerson. That's a good one. Let's see if I remember that. Glimmerson is good. Okay. That's a really good one. So to clarify further, because I've already said Glimmer Man, this is the paranormal entity, not the movie starring Steven Seagal. Oh, Glimmerson. I love that. That's so catchy. Is Have you heard of this? I have not, no. Yeah. Is this the guy who basically looks like Predator in camouflage? Yes. Okay. We're going to get into it, obviously. I'm not just going to end it here. Glimmerson just totally encapsulates it all. I love it. It is sort of a new thing. Well, the sightings themselves are not a new thing. It's just sort of been catching on in the paranormal community. Yeah, the encapsulation of this entity is new. Exactly. Sightings do go back quite a while. Obviously, you have to sift through a lot of Steven Seagal to get to any Glimmerson accounts. And boy, is there a lot just just mass wise of Steven Seagal. Like he's put on some weight. (sighs) Don't even talk to me about Steven Seagal right now. There's too much of him in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Is he living there? (laughs) Did he need to bum a room? It is like the number one fantasy of someone living in this house, but no, he's not. (laughs) I had no idea Knox loved him so. (laughs) And boy, is it so. So being that Steven Seagal is so synonymous with Glimmer They. Synonymous. Synonymous. With Glimmer They. They can also be found under other descriptors, including invisible entity, invisible humanoid being, predator-like entity, and cloaked entities. If you were to want to Google these, because I'm obviously not going to encapsulate everything the internet has. So I don't know exactly what (laughs) Glimmerson would be classified as technically I could find eyewitness accounts however not a single source usually when I'm researching something you can find multiple sources being like here is what this is or the root you can usually find like who's the first person to talk about really there's nothing nothing that gave a rundown of what the creature could be or whether it be cryptid such as Bigfoot paranormal entity vampire interdimensional being alien you're the judge on this one because because I just kind of put it all together based on eyewitness accounts that I read. And here we go. Just quick question. Quick question before we start. Do any of these sightings or talk about the Glimmerson predate the movie Predator? Yes. Okay. I would say okay. So it's not just it's not just people's creativity coming up from that no. movie. And okay. there's talk that perhaps this could be something that and there's nothing backing this up. Obviously, when you Google what's Predator based on, there's nothing backing this up. But there is people, especially who have encountered this, wondering if it's not based on those encounters because it matches almost so perfectly. It could be a form. Yeah. Of- every every time I've heard many different stories about this type of experience and they all sound exactly and they describe it as a predator-like relationship. Yeah, it's really weird in that way. I've never seen Predator, but yeah, so I'm just going to kind of explain to you now what it is that people are actually seeing if you've never seen Predator like me or read through the notes and put these together like I have. People who are experiencing this, they're seeing a humanoid type creature which appears to be sort of translucent, more of a shimmery translucent kind of distortion as if it's something being cloaked because witness 
witnesses describe seeing some sort of distortions or outline on the entity, especially when it's moving. And I say humanoid because the defined outline or distortion that witnesses can make out is that of a humanoid being. Let's not jump to a human. Let's say something human-shaped because there's a head, torso, two arms, two legs. So it may or may not be a human, obviously. You can see the background behind them almost like it's a chameleon blending into its surroundings. And the effect of this being is described as appearing like heat waves or saran wrap or gas with a defined structure, shimmering. Here's a quote from a witness. They say the inside of the outline was very dark shimmering, like couldn't escape, which they say is the best way they could describe it. Or water. I've also heard it described as fuzzy, kind of like an area is out of focus, like a blob is thrown around a lot again, and mostly when it's moving is the blob. And while we're on the topic of moving, a lot of the time they're identified because they are moving. So you can kind of see it distorted more when it's moving than if it's just standing there. It'd probably be a little bit harder to spot other than the feeling of someone watching you. They also seem to be pretty agile, easily able to climb trees, or even maybe able to fly into the trees. I wonder if anyone's even ever thought of that, because you can't see them, right? Maybe they just fly. I don't know, maybe they have wings. Maybe they're everywhere. Yeah, they could be. Like, I've never been looking for something like this. Well, well, and maybe for the most part, they just sit still. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're gonna talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Like you said, a major reference for most people describing what what they've witnessed is the predator cloak in the movie the predator cloak part not the monster it definitely doesn't look like the monster a lot of eyewitnesses that had accounts and then later saw predator aimed that to be pretty much exactly what they saw most of the time they're spotted in treetops and in forests of course there are outliers but this is where they tend to be spotted the most yeah i think for both of us, our first encounter or our first reading of an encounter with this type of entity would be in Skinwalker yes. Ranch. I'm going to read it. Okay. My other encounter with it is in Missing 411 as well. There's another encounter with something like this, yeah. which yeah. I'm also going to read. And I, in fact, think I just read one of these on Reddit the other day and I was meaning to post really? it to our subreddit. Reddit is... Yeah. All of these because like I said yeah. this is something that's still a little if you were to have an encounter like this and you were to go to the internet and start kind of googling things it's a little murky but there's a ton of stuff out there I put a ton of stuff eyewitness accounts in here but these are ones that are so weird and reddit's full of it reddit's where you go if you have an encounter and you want to see if anybody else has seen things like this yeah the only problem with Reddit is its search function, to be honest. What's that mean? You can't, if you search on Reddit, you're never going to find what you're looking for. Oh. Search on Google for it. You'll find it on Reddit. Oh, yeah. That's where I found. I don't know if I took anything from Reddit, actually, but I did do some research on there. Noise, you ask? Yes, it does. A lot of times, this is so creepy. It makes a clicking noise, which is reported by witnesses. Like echolocation clicking? I guess you could say that, yes. Because this is the thing. If you're not reflecting light, like it's going through you, you would actually have a very hard time seeing anything. So echolocation would probably be your best bet for actually seeing anything. 
okay come again if you're not reflecting light like if you're blind so our eyes no our eyes work with reflection we have black pupils so that light comes fully within it and we can see things that come in our eyes okay however if you are not reflecting light or absorbing light then you wouldn't be able to necessarily see anything so your best bet for actually seeing anything would be sonar and or clicking bring up such good points that brings a whole other creepiness factor to it oh it gives me the creeps actually that you just said that plus another thing this is a given witnesses also hear the movement of the environment around them as they move so they don't move silently they'll hear leaves crunching under their feet branches breaking things like that the clicking is not always reported but it is kind of synonymous with these sightings as well it gives me the creeps Certain things can vary between reports, however, these are things that will generally remain the same, and I'm going to get into a few accounts, of course, I wouldn't leave you hanging. Accounts are the best parts of these episodes. Now, as always, I've prepared some eyewitness accounts, just as I said, of people who have encountered the Glimmerson. If you personally have experienced the Glimmerson or any other paranormal thing, really, or just want to talk to us and say hi, we'd like to hear it. Send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. So that's my PR for the episode. <laughs> Let's get into it. Eyewitness James, a deer hunter. James's encounter goes all the way back to the fall of 1978. It was deer season in small towns such as Georgia. James is an avid hunter, likes it, and he was hunting on the public land in the National Forest in Copper Creek, just up the road from Suchus. Being an avid hunter, he did his research, had previously scouted the area, and knew where the water was, where the game trails were, ridges and gaps, whatever that means. So all the blah blah blah, he really knew the area. We're all on the same page, right? We know hunting stuff. Of course. Yeah, of course. He finds the perfect location to find the best deer to murder and sets up a lock. Which is a camp or something. Do you know what a lock is? I think it's a camp. The way he talks about it, I think it's a camp. Okay. All feet off the ground. Trims the branches to make it look nice and homey. And he was that, yeah, that's what it is. That's where he's gonna shoot things. By the way, he makes note to mention he was hunting with a 12-gauge shotgun because rifle hunting is not allowed. Not sure if it matters, but no regrets. I'm putting it in here. James returns to his hunting home multiple times during the season. I guess that's what hunters do. They just, like, make a hut and then they keep going back to that hut. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, okay. Because I would think deers might notice if there's people trying to kill them from a certain place. That's just me, if I was a deer. Fast forward to early November. It was late afternoon, about 4.15 p.m. Friday. You know something's going to happen here. This is a very specific time and day date. Nothing happened. (laughs) Yeah. He came and he went, and then it becomes the next day. He had a nice sleep. No, just kidding. James parks at the trailhead after work to start the 15 to 20 minute walk to his hunting stand. Lock. Lock. I don't know. None of this seems right, but I'm not a hunter, so I don't know. This is where it gets good, not for James, but for us, the listeners. As he's making his way, he notices that he didn't hear any forest noises like you usually do when you're in the forest. No chirping, no insects, no wind, probably no annoying mosquitoes. It was just literal silence. He was like, that's weird, and he just keeps walking because he needs to get him a deer. So he gets to the lock, and he sets up his gun and is surveying the surroundings as you do as a hunter looking 
looking for animals to hunt, and he starts feeling really uncomfortable, like something was watching him. Here's a quote directly from James, quote, I don't really know how to explain it other than I had this deep feeling deep within me, in my core, in my gut. Something wasn't right. I tried to ignore it for a while, telling myself to stop being such a coward. There's nothing out here but you. Some deer, hopefully. Some squirrels, skunk, and other critters. As time passed, the feeling only intensified. I kept looking at my watch, wondering how much time I had left until dusk, and should I leave early, but talked myself out of course. A huge deer was probably only moments away. That's when he spots movement to the right side of the trees. James turns his head and was looking through the tree canopy, which is the top of the trees. I got you. And that's when he sees it. Here's James again. Here's the quote. As I was staring into the trees, I saw what looked like a large bodybuilder, but completely blurry, moving through the trees. I could clearly see the outline of a figure, but the rest was blurry. Like I couldn't focus on it. It looked like a clear gelatinous blob in the shape of a human, a large human. And whenever it would stop, I completely lost sight of it. Blended into its background perfectly. I watched it for what seemed like an eternity, but it was actually more like 15 minutes. It moved through the trees effortlessly like a monkey or a squirrel. It never really looked at me while I was watching it. Maybe it was before and that's why I got the feeling someone was watching me. I don't know. It slowly moved off and I was scared about my walk back to my truck, quote. After 30 minutes, he makes his way back to his truck as it was getting dark and he ran fast as his legs could take him. This has stayed with James since it happened and he can't explain it and it still gives him the heebie-jeebies to think about. That's my interpretation. That's my word, heebie-jeebies. He didn't say that. One day, like 10 years later, he's watching The Predator and he was like, holy shit, that's it. That's what I saw. Again, an interpretation of words. As an aside, I have a few asides here. I'm not really sure how he knew the creature was looking at him as he moved through the trees because it's clear and have eyes. He never mentioned eyes, maybe. I mean, it, it's actually a fair thing to say because you can, the, the feeling of being watched. You know when something's looking at you. There's actually science behind this that we could probably do at a later date. Okay. Basically, humans know when they're being watched in a very weird way. And it is scientifically proven. Fair enough. True. Fair enough. Another thing that I found interesting about what he said was how it moves through the trees, which was like a monkey or a squirrel. So let's just make note of that. And okay. with that, I'm going to get into another eyewitness. Yes. I want to make another note as well. Uh, please do. To please note that he also said it was like a an invisible bodybuilder. Yes. And please note who was in the movie Predator. <laughs> and who could have taken that technology home with them once shooting was done. True, because they did use that actual technology in that movie. It's a known fact. Yeah, it's a very known fact. It is. Next one. And you know how I do eyewitness accounts. I bring to you the weirdest, most random ones. I'm not going to always give you ones that are going to give you the complete overview. I like to give you outliers and weird ones that gives me the creeps because I speak for everyone. With that, there's another one from Eyewitness Gerald, who is a commercial fisherman. And Gerald reports that he has been witness to a group of invisible beings multiple times on his property in Tula lip washington which is not far away from me we have some nice outlet shopping centers there he says that they can be seen faintly if a spotlight is shone on them or if the angle is just right 
A quote directly from Gerald. They're in my backyard sometimes. I watch them for hours. I think they know I am watching them and they mess with me later at night. Heavy human shape. First I thought they were people in camouflage. It is really predator looking military style. It's been three months now. One day I counted over 30 of them. That one was just short and sweet but also not sure what the fuck is going on in Gerald's backyard. Yeah I am also curious does he mean like 30 at once or over the course of the day he's counted 30 i'm pretty which are two the very way different things. i interpret it is 30 at once and that is like a party it's a rager it's more friends than i have i mean i'd be upset if somebody was having a rager in my backyard and they didn't invite me i would be looking out the window <laughs> both terrified and with a tear going down yeah, my cheek that single tear wasn't invited <laughs> as if they had thrown some garbage on the ground yeah. <laughs> what episode is that for <laughs> It was recycling a topic idea. Recycling a topic idea. Yes, that's the exact scene I'm picturing. But with that, but looking out the window with 30 invisible beings like having a party. And by popular demand already requested in this podcast, Skinwalker Ranch. Obviously, if you know the background of Skinwalker Ranch, it should come as no surprise that Glimmerson was cited there. If you don't know the background of Skinwalker Ranch, too bad. (laughs) I guess. Because we don't cover that. <laughs> we don't cover it. It is. <laughs> it has, between the two of us, been something we both expressed is too much of an undertaking at this point, and we're not ready for it. We would love to do an episode in the future, but it's just, we need to be prepared, and I'm not sure we ever will. We don't got the time. No, I don't know that we have the time, but if I can recommend Skinwalker Ranch by George Knapp, Colm Kelher, excellent read, Read it with the lights on, outside, middle of day, start it in the morning, put it away by lunchtime. It is some, there's some disturbing things in there. Most brief rundown I can give you is basically any paranormal thing you could ever think of and then add 25 to 50% of that. You have Skinwalker Ranch. Setup on this one is basically a stranger shows up at the ranch saying he's heard about the happenings on the property, asking if he could meditate in the pasture. Once he's picked up by the owner of Skinwalker Ranch and his son, and they're driving through the property, he decides that this is there's a specific spot surrounded by trees that this person would like to meditate in. And he was fully aware of the strange shit that was happening there. Why he'd want to meditate there, I mean, I just seems like trouble waiting to happen it was high energy very high energy that's that's what he wanted yeah to say the least i don't know that i'd want to meditate specifically what was happening there but to each their own this is going to be a longer quote just for the heads up this is straight from the book stranger walked into the middle of the open ground about a hundred yards from the tree line tom walked with him a short distance and then stood watching he glanced back at his still grinning son who had elected to stay by the truck Tom was about 30 yards from the stranger who had closed his eyes and in a religious gesture had spread both his arms out Tom was amused Silence reigned and the late afternoon sun cast a beautiful light on the scene. This tall blonde man standing silently in the middle of the pasture with his eyes closed and his arms raised, much like the pose struck by saints and angels in religious paintings. In the distance, Tom heard the sudden chime of a cowbell. He was puzzled. None of his animals had cowbells. The sound seemed to be coming from deep within the trees. Here it was again, nearer this time. The stranger seemed not to have heard it. Dad made a gesture of puzzlement. Tom looked at the trees and thought he could see a faint blur. 
Something was moving very quickly between the trees. Tom could not make out the shape, but he knew it was big. Was that the source of the cowbell sound? He watched carefully as the shape moved like a fast blur from tree to tree. It was almost as if it was circling. Tom suddenly felt uneasy. Without warning, something broke from the tree line and moved swiftly towards the meditating man. Tom blinked. Still couldn't see what it was, even though it was broad daylight. It was blurred as if it was hidden in the middle of heat distortion, and it was covering ground at enormous speed. Norman realized that the Chimera, Chimera, Chimera yeah. was making a beeline for the blissful meditator who was completely unaware of what was rapidly bearing down on him. Tom was about to yell a warning, but it was too late. A shimmering wrath-like huge thing stopped just inches from the meditator as it let out a deep-throated animal roar that echoed around the ranch. The roar sounded half like a bear, half like a lion on bros. The stranger leaped back about 10 feet and fell down, began screaming. As fast as it had approached, the shimmering, almost invisible creature departed for the tree line at top speed. Tom's sharp eyes could make out only a blur of dancing, flickering, wavy lines like pixelated blocks. Within seconds, the creature had vanished into the trees. Sometime later, as Tom and Tab were watching the movie Predator, in which Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura battle an alien form in a jungle in Central America, they let out a loud yell when they first saw the shimmering creature. That's what we saw! They yell in unison to the astonished family. Predator in the movie seemed to exactly encapsulate the degree of camouflage of what they had seen. Tom calculated that the thing they saw was moving at between 50 and 60 miles per hour when it broke from the trees. And Skinwalker Ranch story. That's what you have to look forward to if you've never read Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. And we will do it at some yeah. point. We might have to take like a four week break in order to get everything. It's just such a great, scary, weird story. It depends on what we yeah, it, it really does. Yes, you can go a lot of ways with it, but you just want to do it justice because it's such a good story, right? And it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, that's from Skinwalker Ranch. Again, love that book. So good. It'll give you the creeps. So that's that one. Another one. Lying Transparent Being in Bridgeton, Maine. This one's rather unusual. Something that was moving around in the air. It shows the same characteristics as the other translucent beings. So just another facet of what is going on with this and this one comes from phantoms and monsters which is lon strickler's website he does a lot of these kinds of cryptid paranormal things and he also spends a lot of time monitoring the chicago mothman as well i used him in our moth person episode he does a lot of great work actually i like lon strickler and he keeps abreast of all of this and he really logs all of these eyewitness accounts i use him again in this episode phantoms and monsters highly recommend it actually all i could find was the eyewitness account no name or anything so let's call this person emerson doe nice and general neutral oh here we go from emerson doe the thing i saw was not a machine i have no idea what it was but it was close to me and flying on a very cold winter night in 92 or 93 i stepped out to the car at about 10 p.m and looked up in bridgeton maine it was exceptionally clear and starry right away i saw movement above me something was moving rapidly twisting and turning like a bird like birds in a fight or some scrap this thing was about 60 feet above me looping back and forth within an area of less than 100 feet it was about five feet across and it was 
transparent. It looked like it was made of glass. Like a glass sculpture, the way the stars behind it were distorted. I can't say for certain that it had wings, but it moved like a bird. Got the sense that it was angry, distressed, or just plain pissed off. I would not have seen it except for the exceptionally starry night and the light from the stars behind this thing streaking, shifting, distorting. Watched it for about three minutes before it went out of sight behind the trees. I don't think I can properly convey how fast this thing was moving in its twists and turns. If a person had body language like this, I would say they were out of their mind angry. I've never heard of anything like this. That's another one. If I were reading these, I'd just kind of be like, yeah, that's a one-off, but I have to include it because this one's flying above somebody, not just like in the treetops above, which brings me... Yeah, it almost gives it the idea that it could be military technology, at least attempting yeah. tests. That's the thing. And I kind of mentioned it. It was just the thought at the time. When but that's more so flying over. I, I think that's a very different thing than just randomly running into these things in the woods. Well, or, I mentioned it briefly. It was just an where, idea where it said that it moves so fast in the treetops, like jumping or whatever. And I said, how do we know it's not flying? Because we can't see all of it. We don't know what exactly we're dealing with. What if it is flying? And then we have this encounter where it's flying coincidence i think not but who really knows what exactly it is so it's just another asset to it i guess so next encounter i have is from mallory and mallory had a terrifying experience when she was in university in florida way back in 2002 and she had a roommate and they had a dog golden retriever to be specific, which we do need to know that information. And I do not know its name. Let's call him Cheeto. Okay. <laughs> he did have a name. It's Toby. But Cheeto's better. I like the name Cheeto. So anyhow, Mallory liked to go on little hikes because it cost her nothing as she was a broke student. So on this particular day in question, her and Cheeto, not calling him Toby, I like Cheeto. Her and Cheeto went on a hike at Gainesville Hawthorne State Trail and they were about four miles into the hike. And something happens. I guess I have to say that because I alluded to it. It's around 11 a.m. and nobody's around and Cheeto and Mallory are enjoying themselves, taking in the scenery, looking for squirrels to chase, when all of a sudden Cheeto stops dead in his tracks and he freezes. He sees something. But he just stands there staring into the trees, ears perked up, tail straight out, Mallory could tell something caught his attention. As Cheeto stares, his demeanor starts to change. His tail goes between his legs and he begins to whimper and he tries to leave but now Mallory wants to know what's going on so she starts towards the trees to see what Cheeto is on about. She's pulling the leash, take him the other way and he's pulling against her. I don't know, I'd just go with the dog. I'd be like, okay. Oh, then she, she spots something and now I'm going to read a direct quote from Mallory. She says, it's very hard to describe, but this thing looked clear, but not quite. It was in the shape of a human, meaning it had a head, torso, two arms, and two legs, but what was see-through? The thing that stood out the most was glowing yellow eyes. That was the only thing that wasn't clear. As crazy as it sounds, this thing looked like the alien in the Predator movies whenever it is cloaking itself. It was standing on a large tree branch, hanging on by its right arm, and was looking directly directly at me and Cheeto, says Toby here, but slowly began to crouch down and tried to hide behind the trunk of the tree. 
Like it noticed us noticing him. I don't know why I say him. Absolutely have no idea the sex of the strange creature. If that's what you call it. I tried to hide, like I said, but you could still see portions of it behind the tree. It froze. I was mesmerized by this thing and I was just staring at it trying to figure out what it was. I didn't want to take my eyes off it and fear that I might lose sight of it. This thing was so damn camouflaged. If I looked away, I might not be able to find it again. So I just stared, ignoring Cheeto and his whimpers. Then it moved. It swung through the trees effortlessly and made almost no sound. It would move a few trees and then freeze. Look back at us. I guess to determine if we were watching it or not. I got the feeling this thing did not want to be seen. It would move, then freeze, crouch down and pull itself between us and the tree it was in. It would sit there a few minutes and then move again. I wanted to follow it, but everything in my body said no. I just watched it. It eventually disappeared into the forest. Anyhow, I do eggs at the forest. Cheeto was fine. And all in all, she had no idea what it was. What I found interesting in this sighting is that it had monkey qualities, like swinging from the branches. Maybe that's just how she interpreted it, but we saw that in another of the... Now I can't remember. There's another one that kind of had a little monkey-like quality to it. Yeah, it was the hunter right off the bat. Yes, it did swing from a tree because I made note of it. Yeah. Everybody seems to be aware of these, but very apprehensive. Has anybody been injured by these? Not in, in my, your, uh, not in my stories. stories. I didn't have anything come up that said that anybody was injured by any of them. However, they do appear to, I don't want to say aggressive, but they do appear to not be friendly. If that they wish sense. to appear menacing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I haven't seen anyone where anyone's hurt by it, but people do feel uncomfortable and they do appear as if they don't want humans witnessing it to be witnessing it. Yeah. And now everybody has kind of felt this weird feeling of being seen or having eyes on them so far. With, it makes them yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, but with other entities, there's, there's a feeling of existential dread. Yes. Does anybody describe a feeling of dread when they are in this vicinity of these? I would liken what they say, what they're describing it to. That. Okay, because mostly what I've been hearing is it feels like somebody's watching me and then I look around and I see this not. I feel like I, I need to leave this area immediately and then I see it. No, I, I would say that it is. I wouldn't necessarily say existential dread, but most people, aside from this last one. Where she's, you know, her dog's like pulling yeah. on the leash to leave. And she's like, oh, I want to observe this. That one is kind of... An outlier, yeah. An outlier. Most people report feeling uncomfortable, like they shouldn't be there. I think there's one that I didn't include in this because I, I had a better one. But they came across a clearing where they just felt like they shouldn't be. And so they left and still encountered a creature maybe i did include it so just act surprised when i when i talk about it but most people do the forest goes quiet you get an uncomfortable feeling and then all of a sudden they have a sighting of this thing is generally what happens in this so yes i would say they do get the feeling of this even though they don't directly say that i feel existential dread next one you may be familiar with this is probably one of the more infamous sightings of the predator-like being glimmerson which is a sighting by jan maccabee 
who is Bruce Maccabee's wife. Bruce Maccabee is a American optical physicist formally employed by the U.S. Navy and is a ufologist. So the sighting is actually in the Missing 411 Hunters documentary and book. However, I'm taking this sighting directly from Bruce Maccabee's website that he set up just for this, which I will post in the show notes. It's actually very thorough website that he set up for this and it is titled predator yeah if he's into physics you would think he would really want to figure out what the hell's going on here so this one the website i love the website it's really good the website is titled predator in the forest or jan's weird experience and he actually does a great job with this so i'm just gonna read exactly what he put together no paraphrasing or anything on this one except for where i see fit so he starts with the preliminary report. It was Wednesday, September 29th, the next to last day in September and hunting season. Or deer in Ohio is just four days old. Days started cool and damp, then became a beautiful warm day with a nice sunset. Dan was anxious to begin hunting. Her method of hunting consisted of waiting and watching while seated in a tree stand. The seat of her stand is at the top of a 15-foot ladder. The seat is in the northwest corner of a many-acre wood that is surrounded by large planted fields of low-density residential areas. The seat faces the east and is surrounded on all sides by trees. Okay. She didn't hunt in the morning, but she did climb up the 15 foot to the seat to test the newly installed bow hanger. She took a picture of her bow hanging from the bow hanger. She took the picture and other pictures below, which are included in this, I'll post them on the socials, I'm pretty sure I can do that, with her Blackberry Pearl model 8130 camera phone. Phone records the date and time of each picture, the spatial resolution, number of pixels, horizontal and vertical, and the total bite size of each picture file whatever that means. Jan had a strange experience in the trees in the late afternoon and evening. She went to her tree stand about 5.30 and sat. A squirrel was dropping nut pieces on her head and animals, birds, and crickets were moving and making noises. That What was that squirrel doing? What a Just dick. being a yeah. dick. That's what they yeah. do. That he's specifically being a dick. He could have dropped nuts anywhere else in the woods. Occupy her time, she was texting with her phone, brackets a means of silent communication. At about 6.21 p.m., she decided to photograph herself in the tree stand. She was facing east with the sun at her back. She held the camera above and to her left. She was facing east, the sun at her back. She held the camera above and to her left. Just said that. The sun was behind her, low to the west, and the light filtering through the tree's branches. She took her first photo with the camera a bit above her head and her left so she could get a photo looking down past her to the ground. She then decided to take a second. She took the second photo and didn't like it so she deleted it as we may all do. Suddenly the woods went quiet. Noise stopped. The silence was weird. So surprised and unnerved her that she wrote a text message to her friend thereby documenting this event. It was a text message. Something is wrong. The woods just went to a dead silence. No squirrels no birds no crickets is odd 6 23 p.m edt squirrel suddenly stopped dropping nuts on her head i guess how dare they no where was this squirrel getting nuts from in the middle of the forest she thought a coyote or maybe a black panther or some predator animal caused the quiet as she knows as hunters know that when a predator such as a bear for example enters an area the other animals tend to become quiet and she became aware that a weird visual effect was moving right across her field of 
view at an apparent distance of maybe 15 to 20 feet. She described it as if looking through saran wrap. Perhaps a more apt comparison would be like looking at a mirage above a hot road. She compared this distortion of the scene as being somewhat like the effect of the invisible creature in the Predator movie. The distortion was at a higher altitude than her, 15 feet above the ground, perhaps about 25 feet above the ground. She took her glasses off and rubbed her eye, thinking she had a floater. After rubbing it, still, there was not a floater. It moved to her right about 15 degrees to the right of straight ahead to about 45 degrees to the right. See the diagram below, not to scale. Sorry, I don't have the diagram for you. It disappeared. Things looked normal and she could hear the normal sounds again. As she recalls it, she held the camera in her right hand about a foot and a half from her face so that the scene in the viewing screen would be in focus for her eyes. She pointed the camera in the direction of the distortion and took a picture. As she recalls it, the picture was taken immediately after the distortion of disappeared. Pictures should show the nearby trees. That's not what the picture shows. After sitting for an hour and a half more, she left the tree stand at about 7.45 and came to dinner with our guests of the evening. She didn't think to mention her strange experience. After... I couldn't even imagine going to dinner and not mentioning this to everybody that I know ever. I'd be telling everybody. Especially when she seems so selfie obsessed. Yeah. Oh, I would. There's no way I wouldn't mention that. I'd be like, everybody stop what you're talking about and listen to what I have to say. <laughs> After dinner, cleanup, and a movie, the guests were about to leave when I checked my Facebook messages and saw one from Jan's nephew, a high school student. There was a sighting by a number of students and faculty at the high school during the band practice just before dark. High school is about a mile north, northwest of the tree stand. He wrote, we were playing tonight on the field and just as it was starting to get dark, a huge bright light appeared over the field and begins to move sideways. And in a matter of five seconds or so, it disappeared, getting smaller almost every second. About five minutes later, it reappeared. This time, it was amber in color. I know of four people who saw this and according to an upperclassman, the same thing happened last year and they actually stopped rehearsal. I asked him what time this was and he responded 7.50 to 8 o'clock p.m. which was about an hour and a half after Jan's phenomenon. So that's all I included from this encounter. They do go on. If you want to take a look at the website, I told you what it was. If I scroll up, I can tell you again. No, it's going to be posted in the show notes. Go check those out. They go on. They really look into the picture and basically it's impossible to have taken this picture the way that it was taken from this phone that she's taking the picture from. I will probably post that to the social medias. It does coincide with the strange UFO sighting. Yeah, that's that encounter. Is there anything you want to include on it? No, just kind of general things that we'll get to at the end. This last encounter, I was going to give you a choice of encounters, but then one clearly came up superior. This is going to be the last one before we can give our final thoughts. And then when we give our final thoughts, we will know exactly what this phenomenon is. And we can encyclopedia that because that's going to be the final word on things. This one comes from my favorite website, Phantoms and Monsters. 
It is a good website. It has lots of good stuff on there, actually. So this witness and his friend were exploring the abandoned Brookfield USAF station in Ohio when they encountered an unknown beeping, an aggressive glimmerman entity. There we go. Exactly what you're looking for. Witness Joseph claims that sometime in November 2002, he and a friend decided to head to the abandoned Brookfield Air Force Station located near Brookfield, Ohio. Can't say that's what I would do in my spare time no i probably would not at night i might go during an afternoon though if i was free on a saturday sunday it had been abandoned since around 1986 wow after previously being a nursing home hmm. there were about 30 empty buildings on 10 acres of land surrounded by overgrown vegetation and barbed wire fence police regularly patrolled the area to keep out vandals though many of the locals like joseph spent much of their youth roaming around the old base Joseph believes he had been there more than a hundred times. As an adult, Joseph still liked to go up to the area occasionally and shoot guns, hike, etc. The base was about a tenth of a mile from his home, through the woods. There was a hole cut in the fence which allowed easy access to the property. Oh my god, it was adjoining. That's creepy. On that chilly November 2002 day, Joseph and his friend Tori decided to head to the base to do some shooting. Only Joseph was armed though. Unfortunately. There was light snow on the ground as they made their way through the woods, following a deer path to the wire fence. Joseph noted that it was unusually quiet that day walking in the woods. No sounds of animals, no wind, no nothing. At the time, he didn't think much of it, but looking back, he believes that it was strange enough that he remembered it. After finding and crawling through the hole, they eventually made their way onto the base walking through knee-deep grass. I have to do an aside. Have you ever gone anywhere where it's like unnaturally quiet not that i can recall would you continue on if it was unnaturally quiet and you didn't hear sounds that you would normally be hearing i mean from my understanding of nature i would not mostly because i would understand that to mean that there's a predator in the area. i mean and it would really depend on what i'm whether doing. it's glimmerson or a cougar or a puma or a bear yeah. you generally don't want to keep going you want to do something Thing. You want to take action. Start shooting guns into the voids. Just go and blast. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're about here. Yeah, you want to see if it's peaceful. Exactly. And that's how you find out. As they walked towards the buildings, they began to hear beeping sounds, which they found to be odd, given that the buildings hadn't had power since the late 1980s. Quickly, while we're at it, okay, beeping is similar to clicking, is it not? Not necessarily, but maybe. But they could be. Could be. We're not hearing... Someone very well could say beeping where it is a clicking. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. We're not hearing what they're hearing, so it could very well be the same thing. Clicking is in the ear of the listener. But yeah, it very well could be the same thing that they're hearing. You could classify... What is it? Sonar? Yeah, yeah, that'd be a click or a beep. Yeah, you could classify it as... It just depends on what language you're wanting to use for what you're hearing. So yeah, I would say perhaps... I would say perhaps. As they get within five feet of the building, the beeps increase and become louder. They eventually make their way through an open garage bay door, and this is when the beeping went crazy. Think a metal detector zeroing in on metal. Okay, so they're actually putting like something physical. We know what it sounds like. Corey became frightened. Joseph noticed that there were two doors leading into rooms, one of which was closed. Found this odd because every other time he'd come up, 
up, the doors were open. Beeping was coming from the room with the door closed, so despite Tori's misgivings, Joseph kicked open the door and entered. The beep slowly faded out, replaced by a loud droning sound. Oh my god. He noticed a device sitting on the floor about three feet away. Initially, he thought it was a pipe bomb. He thought he was going to die. It looked like an air compressor with wires on its left side going into a rectangular black box with a cylinder attached to it. I have no idea what it was, Joseph recalled. He wondered if the police or maybe the marines who occasionally trained on the base had put it there. Corey was frightened and insisted that they leave. Joseph also shared that feeling. They decided to head back to the fence and get out of there. As they made their way through the tall grass, things got very quiet. They both stopped, sensing that they were being watched. All of a sudden, they could hear footsteps coming through the overgrown brush. Oh, this gives me the creeps. That is when they noticed across the field that snow was bouncing up. Grass bushes were parting. Yeah, I read that right. I read that right. As if something was going through the grass, something they couldn't see. Okay, no, it for sure says snow there. It was the weirdest thing, Joseph said. Joseph could see the outline of what appeared to be human. It was transparent. He could see through it. He could see through the bush on the other side of it, but it was distorted like an optical illusion. Both men became frightened and headed for the fence. Joseph and Tori both kept an eye on it as it moved. He noted that there was clear indentations in the snow. Okay, there was snow. And the brush and snow were moving as if someone was trudging through the grass. They couldn't see anything beyond an outline. Even stranger, Joseph claimed that it seemed to completely vanish occasionally and then come back. It trailed them but never got more than 30 feet away from them except from when they neared the fence. At some point, Joseph stopped and raised his rifle at the thing. This seemed to anger the entity. There was some brush that stood about 15 feet high and it separated like somebody drove a truck through it. It was coming hard. Snow was flying. Brush was flying. Joseph aimed at it for the first time ever as a hunter he felt a real sense of dread he should not shoot at it uh there you go he said it he said yeah. it his friend tori also urged him not to shoot as it would only make things worse i would have been like shoot it i wouldn't have said don't shoot it i would have been like yeah do it you know how to shoot it not me <laughs> he eventually found the hole and by this time it was full sprinting at them oh god two men rushed through and into the woods keeping their eyes on the semi-invisible entity joseph noticed that it had stopped at the fence it was almost as if it wasn't allowed to leave then it was gone like it evaporated three weeks later joseph returned with another friend and they spent hours searching through every abandoned building and never found the beeping device nor did they ever encounter the entity again okay so this was a device not something coming directly from the creature just to make a well there were many parts of it yeah. some of which came from a device True. Nor did they ever encounter the entity again. Looking back, Joseph senses that the thing he encountered was something evil and that it meant to do them harm. He likened his sighting to the alien in the Predator films, but noted that while similar, it wasn't the same. So somebody comments on this claim from the two friends and they comment, excellent to hear because I'm very familiar with the radar base in Brickfield, Ohio. My grandmother lived in the woods right behind it, Stewart Road. As kids, we would journey there from time to time through the woods on a special secret hike. We would get in through a hole in the fence in the woods, in a word, 
eerie and familiar with the beep in the garage. My cousin John and I heard the beep, but we never knew where it would come from. The beeps did not speed up, just loud beeps spaced a few seconds apart coming from somewhere. There was definitely something going on there. After it had closed as a nursing home, there was still mail being delivered and collected regularly. Air hydrants were still being kept up to date. Telephones were still on and ringing. Dogs were kept in selected areas inside locked, abandoned buildings. This was many years after it had closed and not a soul was around. However, you always felt as if you were being watched. At times, the police would show up and being as we were kids, we would take off how they would know we were there beyond me. There was definitely something governmental, UFO, always surrounding this place. All before the famous UFO incident. Oh, see 1995, the Trumbull County, Ohio UFO incident. Interesting. At times, ghost-like things occurred and that is too long to type here. Would hear sudden, loud, unexplained things, bang noises right within our vicinity that we could not determine if it was a person on the next floor who should not be there or the grounds were haunted. We would also hear things in the buildings. UFO incident simply sealed the deal for us. Awesome to hear this because the few folks who lived right around the area always suspected something just had to be up with the radar base. And that is that. Those are my sightings. This is Glimmerson. Shine on Glimmerson. What do we have to say? Couple things. Let's hear it. I think the first and foremost thing to talk about is the fact that George Knapp's grand theory of weird kind of gets encapsulated right there at the end where this area that the Glimmerson is seen is also known as a UFO for very famous UFO sighting and also hauntings. That is not the first place where UFO sightings also mentioned with this thing. It's also mentioned in Jan Maccabee's sighting. Yeah. Bring up a very good point. Second off, well, this is going to be kind of a two-part thing I want to say. The first and foremost thing is when we go hunting in the woods for particular creatures, we go disguising this particular senses that we know those species are prone to using. So that although we don't necessarily show up the way they want or like things to show up, we show up in a very obscure manner. When it comes to deer, we put on the orange vests. Mm. We we put smells on ourselves and we make particular sounds to make it, although not necessarily show up like a deer. Blending in with the surroundings. Blend in with the surroundings in a strange way so that we mask ourselves as humans because we are hiding the senses that they most rely on. Another good point. And the fact that most other creatures easily see this thing or at least get the hell out of the area or quiet down makes it really seem like they're actually masking the senses, particularly for humans. Oh, oh, that just, oh, that gave me goosebumps. Third, just just mm-hmm. to add a little bit to yeah. that, the fact that all other creatures also seem to be worried about what's going on and they mask themselves as if a predator is present in the area makes it appear as though these creatures also know it's a threat to themselves and it is a predator to them as well. One thing that caught me about it is what if it's just a play on a specific target? It's not necessarily that the forest quiets down. It's just that it... Oh, and it's that kind of shift to an alternate reality with this particular individual. Which is another, you bring which is, up a Which very is good a point. 411 situation, which I don't think I, I don't want to get into at this point. No, but it's, I think we bring up two very good, because we don't know what it is. No, but those are, those are diametrically opposing in, they are. inferences from what's happening. 
Yeah, which are important to both, say, both of them, yeah. if not third, that maybe we don't know is out there, which we can't say right now. Yeah. But, oh, I have the creeps right now. But yeah, that that's also a good point. It might be not so that the, the animals are, in fact, quieting. It's the fact that you are actually being removed from that reality. Yeah, there was one, and I can't remember, I went through so many things and read it. But there was something that made me think that it could have potentially been just affecting the particular person that was experiencing it. Again, yeah, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, I mean, who knows what is happening when it's something that's like this? We have no idea what it is. Yeah, very fair. The, the last one I want to just focus a little bit on, it's probably not the most important, but something that should at least be noticed. These have all been in American interactions. Yes. And one thing I find extremely odd with the paranormal interactions is how culturally different they are. And that something like this would only happen in the US, but something also just as uniquely bizarre will happen in a different region of the world. And I forget, I can't remember what I was reading, but it's almost as if they are restricted in their regions, these particular I don't know that they are. Or that we just interpret them differently based on our cultural backgrounds. We very well could. I don't know that it is specific to us because I know the missing 411 is not specific to North America. And this is something that while, like I said in the beginning, it goes so far back in sightings, but you have to really sift through things to find the sightings. There's so many of them, but it's well, and especially back becoming in the day, a new thing. They would particularly describe a an invisible entity stalking them as different from a predator being is watching me. Yes. So it's hard to say, and maybe one day we should look at all these things from a different point of view. It's hard to say what we would be able to come up with if we're not able to search in another language. Well, that's that whole thing that unfortunately we are restricted to our narrow path on the internet and the weirdness. And that is things that have been interpreted into English. Yeah, I don't know that this would be specific just because I didn't research. I don't know that this would be specific to North America because as we know with other countries, there's things just as weird if not weirder happening in other countries they are but at the same time the uk and australia and new zealand all speak english as their primary language and this did not come up i don't know if that doesn't have anything to do with the particular sources you use i agree so it's always the the particular sources but also where we're googling from because of course yeah no and that's that whole thing is this just something that we notice or something that goes into our research yeah and i would say i unfortunately i feel like we probably are biased as much as we don't want to be biased our google functions and locations literally everything about our research is biased just based on our particular background and what we're likely to look for and i just google predator entity i don't google united kingdom slash predator entity which you know what maybe we should be more cognizant in the future of doing things like that maybe we'll get more hits yeah and i think last but almost just as importantly that should be discussed we have specific times and places for most if not all of these interactions has anybody lined these up with schwarzenegger's itineraries i'm not sure because i'm not sure what is that he means. accounted for <laughs> where he is right now no oh no because he's a public figure you can you can very clearly find out where he is at particular times yeah, Predator's a public figure, though, too, isn't he? Where has he been? Well, to be fair, he's not. He he was a 
stage character. Whereas Arnold Schwarzenegger is the real deal and he's a muscular entity that could very well have shown up in that one particular. Another loophole in my research. I don't know where he's been. I don't know where he's been at, what he's been doing. Okay. Something to look into. Anyone listening right now wants to do that. If anybody here has access to Arnold Schwarzenegger and or his itinerary and will be able to answer those questions for us, my God, do we need to bring you on as a guest because you clearly live a more interesting life than we do. Or if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, please. If you happen to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, we would also likely be in a position to interview you. Yeah, 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 we can. Yeah. And specifically when it comes to you potentially being a Glimmerson. Yeah. And I think most importantly, if you are a Glimmerson, I think we're in a position to also interview you. On it. One thing I just want to mention, I just want to put it out there. Not that our, what was it called? The weird Bigfoot one. Bigfoot gets weird. Bigfoot gets weird. Said it in the wrong order. What's not saying that these aren't Bigfoots? Yeah. No, and it almost feels a lot like that because Forrest gets eerily quiet. Something that shouldn't be there is there. And really outside of it not being a Bigfoot shape matches everything entirely with a weird Bigfoot sighting. That being said, if you just saw cloaked Bigfoot would you not say that it is humanoid in shape? Yeah. And particularly, actually, the sounds that are made also emulate the weird Bigfoot sightings. Yes. And not only that, but Bigfoot has been sighted with like little boxes. Go back and listen to. There is a whole. Remember that book that I told you that I did a lot of my research on? I can't You bought it for me for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. That book has a chapter on cloaked Bigfoots. Yeah. So I don't want to make this a Bigfoot episode. I just thought I'd make it like I don't have any notes on this. I just thought I'd make it like just add it in there. And again, if you have not read that book, my God, put that on your to read list. We can't remember the title. (laughs) Go back and listen. Go back to Bigfoot Gets Weird. Listen to some of the things that we talk about in this episode. And just so that we're all on the same page as Bigfoot Gets Weird Part 2. Because yeah. I did Part 1 and it's a very different Bigfoot Gets Weird. It was all about yes. the same But Part 1's more so about things that probably weren't two. Bigfoots. Yeah, but Bigfoot Gets Weird Part 2. There's some good Bigfoot stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, that was some good Bigfoot stuff. Uh, but yeah. see anything else to add? No, I've been waiting to do this episode for a while now. I'm glad I finally got to do it. And I hope that I have the creeps right now just talking about it. These kind of things just are creepy. No, I think I've added everything. Okay. And at the end of the day, are we not in the same medium as the Glimmersons would inhabit in merely sound and not picture? In a very weird way for you, the listener. And in a very weird way, we have also been Taylor here with Chelsea known as Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode.